Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, guys. Ready for church? Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm going to go off script this morning just a little bit. Just feel the Lord just really speaking to my heart about some things, and so I just want to dive deep into that. Uh, Up in Sunday school, we call it unpacking, so we're going to unpack some things this morning. I remember as a young believer, um, when I would get sick or different things like that, I would scooch myself in the bed, and I would pull the covers up, and, oh, God, woe is me. I would. I would sit there and feel sorry for myself continuously. And I remember God would correct me all the time and say, Mark, get up out of that bed. What are you doing? And I realized I didn't just, just didn't do that in that part of my life. I actually did it in other parts of my life as well. So when I would mess up and I didn't feel like I was following God as hard or as strong as I should have, because we know that a prideful look is an abomination to the Lord, I'd beat myself up the same way. And again, I'd feel God's nudging and say, hey, listen, are you done? Because I've already forgiven you. We've got some things to do. There's a major difference between, between condemnation and conviction. And oftentimes in church, we miss those two things tremendously. Let me explain. The Bible tells us that the devil, Lucifer, is an accuser of the brethren. He's before God day and night making accusations against you. God also uncovers problems in our lives. But both of them, uncovering problems, has a different result at the end. God desires for us to be 100% free from anything and everything that would hold on to us. Scripture says, whoever the Son is set free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God will uncover things in our lives because he wants to free us. God will uncover things in our lives because he wants to rescue us. He wants to save us from such a decision that will cause us and others harm. Let me explain it this way. When I was a young Christian, I had many different difficulties. One was persecution even from other believers. I shared in Sunday school as well that God gave me a vision one day, and I, was, I saw myself on a, at a campfire on the beach. And in this campfire, I was in the middle with some other people, and we were throwing logs on the fire. And the more logs that we threw on the fire, the brighter the fire became. And the brighter the fire became, the more people screamed for us to stop putting wood on the fire. And I didn't understand it until I realized what the people had in their hands. And they had mirrors. And every single time that we would actually throw wood on the fire, the more people could see themselves. And the more they screamed out for the people to stop throwing wood on the fire. Scripture itself says it's a mirror. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says we look into the heavens as if a mirror. It reflects and shows us who we are or who we aren't. But oftentimes we hear scripture, we hear truth, and instead of being convicted, which leads to freedom, we're condemned, which leads to a cycle of condemnation. And we beat ourselves up continuously. And therefore we find ourselves in the same situations over and over again, feeling like God can never free us from them. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. 
Whoever the Son has set free is free indeed. And God wants to free us. Our fire, our passion for God causes people to see things in their lives that they may not be proud of. Jesus asked the man who had a withered hand to, st to extend his withered hand, not to hide it. And we have to get to the point that we would offer up anything to Jesus, even that which is withered or ugly or disgusting, and say, God, I completely trust you to take care of this issue in my life. And not run from conviction, but run to conviction. Because when we feel bad about something, it's only so that we can offer it to a Savior who can rescue us from it. And not to listen to the accuser who says, hey, listen, this thing is hopeless. You're always going to be this way. You're always going to do this. It's always going to be the same. Condemnation. So I'm not sure who's actually feeling condemnation this morning, but I want to let you know that God's here to set you 100% free. We're going to preach the word today. It's going to be a mirror to your soul. It's going to show things in your life that has to change. And God's going to take his finger and pinpoint things. And we have to say, yes, Lord, I surrender. And I surrender all things to you so you can set me free. Are you ready this morning? Well, we just enjoyed Thanksgiving. Most of us have a few more pounds this Sunday than last Sunday. We had way too much turkey and dressing and everything in between. But church, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I hear people talk about it all the time, oh, it's 2020, I can't wait to 2021. I can't wait for this year to be over. Church, I'm grateful. God does not operate by time, years and months and weeks and days and hours and minutes. He's timeless. God's not intimidated by 2020 and all the difficulties that we've seen. He's God and he changes not. He's still on his throne and we have nothing to fear, no matter what a year brings. Amen? Amen? I'm grateful. Psalm 107, 8 through 9 says, All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Church, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for every sunrise, for every sunset. I'm grateful for beautiful flowers in a field, tall mountains, the smell of the ocean. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for people. I love hearing children laugh. I love seeing families love each other. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my wife and the chance to spend life with her. I'm grateful for my wonderful son, to be a dad, to impact the next generation. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, church. I'm grateful for our country. I'm going to say that one more time. I am grateful for our country. God created Israel because he loved people. America was created because people loved God. If you've heard a lie that our country was not based on the godly heritage, you've heard the wrong narrative. The first thing that the Senate did when they actually separated from England was to print Bibles for public schools. 
When they were deciding whether to separate from England or not, they got together for prayer meetings, fasting and going after God, and God would show up powerfully in these meetings. Our very constitution is built on the word of God alone. We have a godly heritage. George Washington would go out and fight wars with farmers, didn't have the proper equipment, were outnumbered against armies who were trained to destroy, and yet they would win war after war because George Washington himself would get on his knees and cry out to a God who can save. I'm grateful for a godly heritage. I'm grateful for America. I'm grateful for the United States. I'm grateful for the moves of God, for the great awakenings, for the revivals that we can name numerously throughout our land. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God's not done yet. He's not done with this nation. He's not done with you and I. There's still an incredible people that love God and want to see this nation return back to His greatness once again. And you and I are part of that plan. Church, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for church. A lot of us take it for granted. The Bibles that we read, the church services that we have. So many brothers and sisters this morning can't even sing out loud. They have to move their lips to worship songs. So that way the armies and the police can't even find them. Because one peep and they would all be arrested and imprisoned. We have freedoms that we oftentimes take for granted. We have an incredible country, an incredible opportunity. And I'm grateful for church. I'm grateful for Pastor Red, for the worship team. I'm grateful for the children, children's ministers next door, for Sunday school, for not compromising the word, not bowing down to culture and the God of this world. I'm grateful for Seven Mile. I'm grateful for you, for your hunger and thirst for God. Your desperation to see him move mightily, not just in our church, but outside these four walls. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. I'm thankful, church. Thankful. Thanksgiving is not just something we do. It's who we are. I'm grateful for an amazing father, a savior, a God who saved me, who saved you. I'm grateful, church. I'm grateful that the gospel is the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I'm grateful because it saved me has saved you. And the stories ring out from this church around the world of God's saving people. I'm grateful for the mercy of God. All of us probably have questions that we want to ask God when we get to heaven. I have a few. One of them is, it might sound weird to you, it's just important to me. God, how many times did you spare my life? And I didn't even know. There's one time in particular I do know. I told the Sunday school class I was in my car. I just gave myself a haircut. I was in the military, so you have to make sure it's just about right. 
So I was checking it out in the rearview mirror, being very irresponsible, driving a car down the road. And as soon as I looked up, there was a red light, and both lanes were taken by cars. And immediately the Spirit of God said, Mark, I want you to go in between the cars. There was no room in between the cars, but I did not argue with God. I whipped the car in the middle, seeing that yellow line going between my tires. And sure enough, I made it to the other end of the stoplight without a scratch or a dent. We have a God who holds every single molecule in the palm of his hand and can do the impossible, just like Red said. He can make a young man being irresponsible, looking at a rearview mirror, trying to make sure his haircut was just about right for his military service to go in between two cars miraculously. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things consist. I'm grateful for a merciful God. I'm grateful that he sets us free. John 8.36, Therefore, if the Son of Man makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I'm grateful that he heals the sick. I can sit here and tell you story after story. Maybe some of the older people here know about the floor furnaces that people used to have in homes and the absolute peril that they were. So I actually burnt my feet on one of those and God miraculously healed me. I had a blood disease because I'm Italian and most people from that part of Italy had the same one and where you got tired pretty quickly. So playing softball or different sports growing up, I couldn't run or do other things because I got tired really quickly. And for me to look at the doctor face to face when I was in the military and said, I had a blood transfusion. And Jesus set me free from everything. And to walk back in that office and say, I don't know what happened. But that hereditary thing that you had in your life is completely gone. You've been set free. We have a God who heals. Church, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he saves. John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life, and he shall not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. I remember August 1997 is when I surrendered my life to Jesus. I was on that side of the church. I typically still sit on that side of the church just because it's special to me. And I came running to the altar saying, God, save me. Set me free. And that same God has used a surrendered life to bring the gospel around the world as a missionary and see God do amazing things because he is a God who saves Church, I am absolutely grateful. I'm grateful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says that the will of God is for us to be thankful, is for us to be grateful. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks for why? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I've got three keys this morning to be grateful. You ready? The first one is really obvious. Being grateful is all about perspective. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Being grateful is all about perspective. Like Red's message last week, too poor to poor, God wants to use you in mighty ways, but your perspective will begin to limit God. 
Oftentimes our hearts are not thankful because of our perspective as well. God wants to change our perspective. Oftentimes we get to the end of life to start to be grateful for the life that we had. As a minister, I've seen it way too many times. Somebody on the deathbed thinking that this is their last few moments on life and now they're grateful for a wife or grateful for the kids they had or grateful for the jobs and the opportunities and all that life had afforded them. And they're trying to be grateful in the last few moments of their lives when God says, hey, listen, why don't we be grateful in every single moment? Why not wait? Why wait till the end when you can be grateful now? Church, I'm grateful. Thanksgiving isn't just a time to have turkey. It's a time to reminisce, reminisce of a God who's faithful and why we're grateful. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. For I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. This is Paul saying it. I know how to be abased, to have nothing. I know how to abound, to have everything. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is Paul saying? I've learned to be grateful. I've learned to be thankful in all things. Church, we only complain about the things in our lives that we don't feel like we have the power to change. I'm going to say that one more time. It's really good. We only complain about the things in our lives which we don't feel like we have the power to change. We're oftentimes discouraged by things that we should never be discouraged by. If you're dealing with discouragement, you're following the wrong leader. Amen? There's another leader who's full of courage. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah and never backs down from a battle. He's always full of courage. So key number two, never follow discouragement. Realize that you have a Savior. You have a God who's ready for anything. This becomes really, really important because Paul never complained about the government. I'm going somewhere this morning. Paul never complained about who was leading the government. Paul never complained about their elected officials. He was too busy serving God. He was too busy changing lives. He was far too busy, church. We complain about the things that we feel powerless about. Complaining only shows us where we lack faith. Paul never complained about the government of his day. Jesus never complained about the government of his day. They were too busy changing the world. See, oftentimes we're following a false narrative. If I'm following the world's narrative, when can I ever hear God's narrative? In other words, if it's just news 24-7, when am I going to hear what God's perspective is of this thing? It's going to be very difficult to become grateful when all I hear is negativity. It's going to be very difficult to become grateful and do the will of God and be grateful, to be thankful, if I'm negative myself. 
I'm only becoming what I follow. If I'm following the world's narrative, I'm naturally going to become just like it. When's the last time you turned on CNN and they were grateful for anything? They're not. Never can be. It's only when they have life from the giver of life that any of us can be grateful. God wants a grateful people. Grateful, church, for life, for family, for church, for the word of God, for you, for I, for everything that the Lord has given us because he's given us life and life more abundantly. And we have lots of things to be grateful for. We complain about the world because we say they don't no longer have a moral compass. How can they have a moral compass unless we give them one? Who is the moral compass? But Jesus himself. So if the world lacks a moral compass, it's time that we as the church get involved with the things that God wants us to do and be just like Jesus and just like Paul and be so consumed with changing the world and changing people that we don't even have time to complain. And we can do all things without complaining or arguing. Because we're consumed with the Father's business. Key number three. Being grateful isn't accepting everything with a smile. This is not a feel-good message. Where you just, just be positive about everything, church. No. There's some really bad stuff out there. And being positive about really bad stuff does not change it. God's called us to change the world. Darkness is everywhere. God knows it. He's actually given us armor for it. In Ephesians chapter 6, 12, it says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a battle. It's real. There's some really ugly stuff out there in the midst. God has a grateful people because we have a God who always overcomes. And he's given every, giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's good. He's really good. And we have a lot to be grateful for. We have an assignment. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jude 1, But others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. We're an instrument for God. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're an instrument to make people grateful. And we never give up. Galatians 6, 9. And let's not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, because we walk by faith not by sight. I don't walk by what I see on CNN. I don't walk by what I see on Fox. I don't walk by what I see on TV, period. I walk by faith 
and the Son of God. He has a completely different narrative. He's doing great things all throughout the earth. There's never been a bigger movement of God on the face of the planet than today. But you never get that through that box on your wall. You only get that in a real relationship with Jesus. God is up to amazing things. And he's called us to do the same. We're never discouraged by what's going on. Every difficulty is only an opportunity to show Jesus. Every difficulty is only an opportunity to show Jesus. Talk to a businessman. See if a, a businessman is discouraged by the difficulties in his business or if it's just an opportunity to make it better. Likewise, in faith, every difficulty, everything that we see with our natural eyes, it's only a reason to take these things to a God who's bigger than those difficulties and see him do amazing things. I'm grateful, church. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Church, I'm grateful. We have a lot to be grateful for. May we silence the complaining and start being grateful. Hey, they're doing riots again. Great. Wonderful time to pray. You know who the government is? Yeah, I'm not going to gossip about it. I'm going to pray for them. Oh, well, you know, if it, no, 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 no. I'm going to share the gospel because it's the only thing that changes the world. The government was never designed to change the world. The church was. We're here to lead, not them. And it's about time that we make that shift. We're not trying to fit into the world. We're not trying to be like the world. We're not trying to skate on the fence and say, hey, I can just be as, as cool as you are. No. We're supposed to lead. God told Abraham, I'll make you the head and not the tail. The head leads, the tail follows. We're always supposed to be the head to create leadership in our culture, to shine the light, to be the light, to be Christ to a dark and fallen world. We can't complain about the world and think it's ever going to change. It's only by sharing the gospel, living Christ, doing what he's called us to do, that will change the world. And unless we partner with the Holy Spirit, partner with God, and do the very simple things he's asked us to do, the world will be the same next year and the year after that. I was born in 75. I'm probably about the same age as, as Red. Back in the day, things were different. You never saw things on TV that you saw now. So if I wasn't born in 75 and I was born in 35, it's a whole lot more that's different. When I was growing up, women didn't cuss like sailors because they were told they needed to be like ladies. I remember those days. I remember when family was important. I remember when marriage was important. I remember those days. But it doesn't change the narrative. No matter how bad culture gets, it doesn't change the narrative. No matter what I've seen in the past and what today is, it doesn't change the narrative. God was powerful then, and he's powerful now. The same solution then was preaching the gospel. 
And seeing people come to faith is the same answer today. Preaching the gospel and seeing people radically change, coming from death to life. It'll never change. If we picked up the church today, put ourselves on a plane and traveled to Iran, where we could immediately be put to death just because we mentioned the name Jesus, the narrative doesn't change. It's preaching the gospel, seeing people come to faith and radically transformed. So no matter what our experiences are, they don't dictate the narrative. The narrative will always remain the same. God is God, and we are not. He came to save the world, and he uses simple people like you and I to preach this message to as many people who will listen. Never becoming discouraged, because in due season we will reap a harvest. God encouraged me one day. He said, Mark, why does an, an oak tree have so many acorns? God asked difficult questions. I'm like, God, I don't know. You've got to help me out. He said, because all the other acorns nourish the soil for the one who actually takes root. We oftentimes get discouraged in sharing our faith. Oh, well, they didn't listen. They just sloughed it off. It wasn't important to them but not realizing that every single seed nourishes the soil of their heart for the one that will take root. Church, we have no reason to be discouraged. We have a God who's still on his throne. We have nothing to fear. He has conquered the world. He has an answer for everything. And all we have to do is say yes and amen to his will. That's it. Become willing and ready to be used by a Savior who wants to save the world. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for our country. I'm grateful to God. Church, even in 2020, we're grateful. He's really good to us. He spoils us in every way. Every reason to be grateful. He's good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, thanks for laying this message on my heart. Thanks for reminding me first, God, that I have a lot to be grateful for. God, thanks for helping us to put you in your right place again in our hearts. Your King. Your Lord. Father, you're not moved by things like we are. So God, we're going to stand on the rock and not be moved either. God, you have an answer for everything because you are the answer, Father. And God, we put our complete and utter trust in you. Father, help us to use each and every moment to be grateful. Grateful to be close to you. Grateful to have your word. Grateful to hear your voice. Grateful to be around people who have no idea who you are so that we can be the light. Use our lives, God, to the utmost, to glorify you, to help others. God, to be the biggest blessing that we could ever be, because you're worthy, and you're good, and you so love the world around us. Help us to be grateful, Jesus, for all that you've done and all that you'll do. Help us never to bow down to complaining but to stay true in faith. God, help us not to walk by sight, 
no matter what that box on the wall says. Because we walk by faith in the Son of God, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, we have a short sermon today, so that's it. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I pray that God will use your lives in powerful ways, no matter what you do for a living.